Thank God. Brother Morton, we want you to come take your liberty, preach your heart to us today. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Why don't we worship the Lord together one more time right now? Let's praise Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, that's right. Let's lift our voices. He's a good God. He's been faithful to us. He's been good to us. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, that's right. I feel the good presence of God here this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Lord, you're good. You're faithful. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, that's right. Let's spend a moment in praise. Let's spend a moment in worship. Oh, this is good in the sight of God. He's worthy. He's worthy. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to let you be seated a moment. I want to say also that it, it really is. It really is good to be here in McMinnville with all of you. And uh, especially the local church here and the Davies family. Uh, my wife and I were here. Uh, we were evangelizing. in I believe it would be 1994. And... Uh, and when we were here, you were just building this sanctuary. I, you, you had some some wood in the air, and you might have had the roof on by then. I can't remember exactly, but boy, I look around, I see that God has blessed. Thank God. And that's what it's all about, is, is building strong apostolic churches that are growing. Hallelujah. It's not just one or the other. There's too many folks, they've got a growing church, but it's not apostolic. Or they've got an apostolic church, but it's not growing. And I don't stand here before you as one that has succeeded. I, uh, God's been good, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not done anything phenomenal. But I do thank God for His blessings. I thank God for what He's done for us in Chico. But it is so good to be here with the Davies family and this church and some of my friends in the ministry. And uh, preach for Brother Hearn also when I was up here. Poor guy's probably still trying to recover from that. Tore everything up. But. Uh, it is good to be among good fellowship. As I as I pastor longer and uh, and spend more time in the ministry, uh, I realize how vital. And I use that word in in its in its every sense of the word. How vital it is to have good fellowship, not just for myself and my family, but I've got young people in my church that. I want them to meet other good young people. Not just anything that's calling itself Pentecostal, but Pentecostal in spirit, Pentecostal in dress, Pentecostal in attitude, Pentecostal in heritage, and everything apostolic. I'm beginning to see how vital that is, but then as I look around, I am so encouraged. I'm so encouraged to see that, yes, there may be those that, you know, wishy-washy, maybe those that little week here or there, but there's a good, strong fellowship. There's good, strong churches, good, strong men that we can attach ourselves to. And it is a blessing not only to myself, but it is a blessing to my church. 
hallelujah, to have men and churches of this caliber. And it is so good to be here with the Davies family. You know, these are these are classy people. Sometimes I get intimidated being around the Davies because they're so classy. And he's wanting me to just preach. Well, I forgot I was going to preach, so I'm trying to fill up time. No. But, uh, no. They're so, I remember when I was here the first time, they're so classy and do everything. And I, that's not an insult. I, I need to, you know, I need to do better, obviously. But I find myself standing a little straighter around Sister Davies. And you know what I mean? But I like that influence. I, I, and this church, this church and this family is known in our fellowship for being strong, being apostolic, being good, classy people. And my wife and I, I want you to know, we feel honored to be invited. We feel honored to be here. In fact, I want my wife to stand real quick. This is my wife. Is she good looking or what? But obviously she's blind too. <laughs> but uh, at least I sounded good. But anyway, well, let's get to preaching before I get in big trouble. Matthew chapter 13, good to be here with Brother Young and Brother Copeland. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word in Matthew chapter 13. I just wish Brother Young would get with it. He's so passive. I'm trying to zip him up a little bit. <laughs> uh, oh man, I couldn't preach like him for three minutes. You'd have to be stuffing Twinkies in my mouth to revive me. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? I think I'll fall out and see what happens. But, uh, come on, you guys are carnal. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm already off to a bad start. How do you rescue this? We want a move of God, don't we? Uh, let's hope we have one. Board's all over with. But, uh, it's good to be here with everybody. Let's turn to Matthew 13, and I want to begin reading in verse 24. I'm coming before Brother Picklesimer, so I guess I'm the appetizer, and I'm the biggest chicken nugget you've ever seen. But I want to hear the elder preach. Amen? Verse 24, let's begin there. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed. Everybody say, good seed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay. Nay. No, don't do that. Lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Hallelujah. Now, I tread on dangerous ground today because I could be so easily misinterpreted. But I will try to qualify all of my remarks so that you understand where I'm coming from. And um, But I want to preach to you for a little while out of this text. The tares and the wheat growing together. I want to preach to you for a little while about revival anyhow. 
revival anyhow. Hallelujah. Let's pray to the Lord together. God, I need your help, and we want to receive the word of the Lord. We want to hear from you, Lord. I don't want it to be just another message, just another sermon, Lord, just another slot. But I pray that you would encourage us today. I pray that you would strengthen somebody's heart today. I pray in the name of Jesus, help someone to get a revelation, a pastor, an evangelist, a saint of God. Help somebody to get a revelation, Lord, a revelation of what you can do. I pray in the name of Jesus, talk to our hearts. God, talk to our souls in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, it said that a man went out and sowed good seed in his field. Let me spend just a moment or two there. You know, and you pastors understand this. And I have not pastored a long time, but I'm learning. You, you reap what you sow. Yeah, you do. You reap what you sow. And uh, I remember when I first started pastoring. I first started pastoring in Chico just a little over five years ago. There, there was about, my wife and I went there, there was about 14 people total. And God... But God dealt with us. He talked to us. And I, I felt it and still do. That that's the will of God. That's where I need to be. And I'm happy there. And I was happy there. But I remember I was so intent. You know, just rabbit, foaming at the mouth. You want revival. You want to pray a church house full, you know, right away. So you're preaching revival. You're preaching Holy Ghost. You're, and I remember I'd get up and God dealt with me. And said, God, what do I do? I remember first Sunday there as pastor. The, uh, I said, Lord, what do I preach? What do I say? What do I do? And the Lord dealt with me. And boy, I was all chomping at the bits and ready to go. And, and said, you, you get up and preach. There's only going to be 14 people out there. But you get up and you preach like there's 200 people on their feet just screaming. For more. So I get up there and I go into church. I can't wait for him. My wife basically to sing and, and uh, didn't really have a choir. But uh, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sing. We're going to have mighty church. And they're singing and, and, and we're worshiping. I get up and I read my text and I'm preaching away and I'm acting like I'm at Labor Day Conference in McMinnville. I'm just, I'm just a wallop and everything. And I hit my high point And you know, eventually you have to breathe. And I have to breathe more than others. And finally I took a breath. And nobody was doing anything. I thought, hey, this isn't too cool. <laughs> What's supposed to be happening? And so I preached some more and I took another breath break. And they're looking at me like, man, this chubby dude gets real worked up. It's time to quit and go to Denny's. And so I'm just preaching away, and I keep preaching. And my wife, bless her heart, she's all there. Yeah, preaching, baby. Oh, God, he's just, you know, preaching. Oh, you know, no, my wife doesn't act like that. That's me. But uh, we're just doing the best I can because I want to have revival. And I preach, and I get done. And it's just. Now, some guys, I, they're liars. They're liars. Some guys, you can tell them I said that. They act like they never have a bad service. They go to church and people just bite holes in the ceiling. They're so full of Holy Ghost and so full. And they go to church and people just, but they just walk in from their office. Wiping burning crumbs off their mouth. And people fall out in the Spirit, fall out in the Holy Ghost. You know what? I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. Now, I'm not saying have dead church. I don't like dead church. But I'm going to tell you what. Sometimes you can beat that dead horse all you want. It's not going to go anywhere. 
so you just come back. Hope it's better next time. But I remember after that service, I was so troubled because I thought, well, you know, we want to have revival. God, where were you? And, and I remember for the next little while, it was a few months, I'd go to church and I'd preach, I'd pray, I'd seek the Lord. And, 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 but, but I was seeing the ones in the church that didn't like me. You know, there was one guy who was mad at me. He said, you're too southern. He sent this, no, isn't this wimpy? He, sent, he got mad at me and didn't come to church for a few services and sent his wife to tell me what he was mad at me about. He's way bigger than me. He was taller. He was broader. Well, taller and broader. I don't know if he's bigger. If you're going pound for pound, I might have done him in. But, but he, he, he sent his wife to tell me. Well, he said, you're too southern cow. Southern cow. Fresno. Southern Cal, 110 degrees. Now the beach within 300 miles. Yeah, you're too Southern Cal. Well, we clapped off beat instead of on beat. And I, now you think I'm making this up? I wish I'd have recorded because I'm not lying. He was mad because we clapped on off beat instead of on beat. His wife said that. Now I'm going somewhere with all this. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get us out of this hole I'm digging. Okay, but but. But then he was, there was something else I couldn't remember at all because I was so incredulous. I wanted to, I, yeah. Hallelujah. But uh, thank God, man, I'd be in, whoo, I'd be something else if I didn't have the Holy Ghost. But uh, so, but I got to, then finally he started coming back. You know, he missed a few services and then he came back. But I noticed myself sitting in church, sitting in service, we'd be singing, doing whatever we were doing. And all I could see was him. All I could see was his big old fat head. No. All I could see was him. It's like I could not see the rest of the congregation. All I saw was him. And then others. And I'm not going to go into details. But there's others. So-and-so didn't like this. So-and-so didn't like that. So-and-so, she got mad at me because I took her off the piano because she's watching television. And, and, and I'm, I'm, now I'm telling you. She was watching television. I said, you're watching television. Are you watching television? <laughs> oh, she was all repentant until I took her off the piano. And then that repentance went right out the window. She's watching TV. And uh, so she was mad at me. There she said, and pretty soon I'm sitting in church. And all I can see is the tears. All I can see is the weeds. That's all I can see. I'm sitting in church. I'm seeing, seeing Mr. Southern Cal. You know, that's all I'm seeing. And, and it's at the TV. Tammy Faye on the television. That's all I'm seeing. And then, now this is what, this is what really got me. God dealt with me and said, here's what you need to do. We were having church in a little bitty old, I mean, it was not as big as your lobby. You could fit 30 chairs in there. 31, counting the one I sat on up at the front. And, uh, I mean, they were packed in tight. That's, I mean, it was a little bitty old storefront building, about 900 square feet. And, and some of that was these two little offices and closets and stuff. So you couldn't use it all for sanctuary. So we had our 31 chairs in there. And the bathroom, now get this. The bathroom was in the sanctuary. Whoo. It was in, now, it was enclosed. And... And there was a door. 
a hollow core door. And I remember when Michael, I can't remember, they live next, they live next door to us in, in the apartments we moved into when we first went there and we invited them to church. Michael and his sister Amy and then, um, I can't remember their little brother, their big brother's name, Tony. Michael, well, let me finish this before I finish that. God dealt with me and said, you need to, you need to start bringing Sunday school kids. You need to start bringing Sunday school kids. I said, well, Lord, we don't have, he said, you have a van. I had a, a van, a gold Plymouth minivan. God said, you just go and you put as many kids in that van as you can get in there legally and bring them to church. So myself and another lady in the church, she had a large car. We, we started bringing about 11 kids that were just bus kids, just visitor center kids. And, and then the church kids, some of the young kids that were in church, they went back in one of those back rooms, and what we'd do is, is they, oh, no, 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 that's why the guy got mad at me. No, that's a good part of the story. I'm almost missing it. I got up and I told the church, see, what we used to do is I would teach a Bible lesson for an hour, and then we'd go right in and have morning worship. I said, you know what? God has really spoken to me. We need to start doing some outreach. We need to start doing something. We need to turn our uh, services more evangelistic, at least on Sunday morning. So God has told me what we're going to do the first hour from 10 to 11. Instead of having that morning Bible class, I said, we're going to have Sunday school, and we're going to start bringing in bus kids. We're going to have Sunday school and start bringing in these bus kids. So that's what we started doing. Well, as soon as I made that announcement, and then I said, then the next hour from 11... We'll send the bus kids home. Some of you can drive them home. And then we'll just have church. We'll have regular church. Well, this a different guy got mad at me. This is not Southern Cal. This is another guy. Oh, Deacon Drydust. And have you ever noticed obnoxious people sound obnoxious too? Have you ever noticed that? He sounded like he had two carrots stuck up each nostril. And he was on the board. He was. He was on board before I got there. It's a long story, but, but, yeah. I remember he came in and said, Brother, I'm telling you, that's how he sounded, too. I always wanted to pull his carrots out. I said, Brother, you're making a big mistake. <laughs> and on the inside, I wanted to say, Yeah, I'm letting you stay here. That's the big mistake. But on the outside, I smiled and I was nice. He said, I'm telling you, you're going to lose visitors. Lose visitors. Fourteen people in a storefront building for three years before I got there. And we're going to lose visitors. I felt like saying there's not much more to lose, dude. You can't take much away from nothing. You're going to lose a lot of visitors. And he was all mad. And he got TV lady stirred up in Southern Cal, stirred up, and they were all... And pretty soon, no, I'm sitting in church, and that's all I'm seeing is dry dust in Southern Cal and the TV lady and others, and they're just sitting there, and that's all I'm seeing. And so I'm praying one day at the church. I'm saying, God, what's going on? I'm just trying to have revival. I'm just trying to build a church. And, and look at what's happening. Look, God, what's going on? I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to do the work of God. You're the one that called me here. God, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And God said, I'll tell you what's going on. Revival's going on. If you'll look around and see it. And God started dealing with me. And God started talking to me. And I was so worried about what wasn't right. 
So worried about so-and-so snuck off and went to the movies. I'd rather have them sneaking off and going to the movies than bringing it in their house. Sneaking off and going to the movie, and I'm so worried about that. And I, yeah, don't, not, don't, that's why I said earlier. That's why I said earlier. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm not saying you ignore that. But my, my point is this. I was sitting there focusing on the tears. I was focusing on what was wrong. But all of a sudden, God opened my eyes and said, what about the Gontes family? Raw sinners uh, from off the street. We started bringing their kids to Sunday school. And now, today, Brother Memo Gontes is the youth leader in our church full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, his wife's full of the Holy Ghost. All of his five kids are full of the Holy Ghost. The Sister Kim that lived next door to us in the apartments. Uh, we started bringing her kids to Sunday school. And pretty soon, and pretty soon, all of a sudden, she started bringing them. Then she started staying for service. And next thing I know, about three months later, she made her way up to an altar. A, a, a crack addict, a meth addict, in and out of jail, living on the streets, about to have her kids taken away from her. All of a sudden, she was at the altar praying through. Today, she's in church loving God. And her kids are in church. I'm going to tell you something, honey. I know never, everything's never perfect. I know there's always going to be somebody out there twisted up and tweaked up and wrong. But hear me in spite of it all in spite of it all we can build churches we can have revival we can win souls you can pray people through you see especially a preacher if you're not careful you're going to get so focused on taking care of the tares that you don't cultivate the wheat you don't cultivate the wheat, see. But what did he say? He said he sowed good seed. Now I knew I was preaching Acts 2.38. I was preaching holiness within. Holiness without. I was preaching revival. I was preaching faith and believing God. I knew that the seed was good. And then I looked out there. And I saw these tears. I said, what's the matter? And God, that day, took me to this verse. And he said, these verses... In Matthew 13, he said, I want you to read them. I want you to soak it up. I want you to learn a lesson. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. He went and he sowed good seed. He sowed, he sowed doctrine. He sowed holiness. He sowed good seed. And the wheat began to spring up. The Bible said when the blade brought forth and began to bring forth fruit. Let me tell you something. When you start praying for revival, you've got to get ready. There will be trouble. Somebody's going to get... Now, don't let this scare you. Don't let this frighten you. But when you start preaching revival and you're trying to pray people through and you're trying to build a church, all of a sudden, uh, the trouble will come with it. We're getting new people. We're bringing them. The Gontis family started coming. Sister Kim, and here, all these, this stuff started happening. But all of a sudden, the Lord gave me an understanding. The Lord gave me a revelation because He said here, he said, do you want us to go out and tear these, these out? He said, no. He said, let both grow together. Now, here's why I want to qualify. I'm not talking about compromising with sin. I'm not talking about watered-down doctrine. I'm not talking about letting people sing in the choir when their skirt is barely to their knees. 
Hey, do you, I don't know if we have in California. I don't know if you guys have in Oregon. But you have people. <laughs> so you probably have. You see, I go to some of our conferences and you got these people. And their skirts are, ew, just, just, yeah. And you know, they're sitting there trying to pull it down. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I can just stretch it, you know, it'll be holy. I'm going to tell you something, that's not holiness. And that's not revival. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about compromising to have revival. I'm not talking about letting them teach Sunday school when they're smoking like a chimney. I'm not talking about compromising with people and watering it down and diluting the doctrine. I'm not saying that. But I don't think there's a preacher here who's brave enough or stupid enough to act like there's no problem in his church. I don't think there's a pastor here that would say, well, you know what? I've got all the boneheads cleared out. I got some I can send you. I got all the boneheads cleared out. It's a perfect church. Yeah, it's probably just you and your wife and you're concerned about your wife. You get what I'm saying? I don't think anybody here uh, will say our church is perfect. There's no problems in our church. There's nobody compromising in our church. There's no hypocrites in our church. And for those of you who say, I don't want to go to church with a hypocrite, you need to decide. Are you going to go to church with them or hell with them? You got a better chance of being saved going to church with them. And if you think, if you're in a church and you look over here and you think, ooh, that's the church. Ooh. I need to go over there. Because that pastor, he, he, he and I just, we share the same vision. Which is a big euphemism for you don't like your past being pastored. And everything's just huggy, poo poo, kissy big rainbow coalition of love go over to that church had my seeds candy this morning <laughs> we'll go over to that church if you think that's the perfect church then don't go there and mess it up because they've got it all tuned up just like they wanted and if you go you're going you're gonna to throw a wrench in everything don't go there and mess it up there's no such thing as a perfect church there's no such thing Hallelujah. Now, oh man, I may be really getting in trouble. Can I stand by you when I say this? Come here. Now, I've only pastored five years. So I do not speak as a veteran at all. I'm just a chubby little novice. But, let me say it to you. And then you can say if it's right or not. Let me say this, pastors. Let me say this. Now, I have lived what I've preached. What I'm fixing to say, I've experienced, I've done it. So I've lived what I preach. But you know what? If there's some old grouse head there that really doesn't like it, let him go. Let him go. Is that not right, Brother David? I don't understand fighting to keep somebody that doesn't want to be there. Why? No, bless God, you better. You know what? I had 14 people, all right? We won some people. We probably had about 25 people in our church with the new folks we won. One Sunday night, I got up. The Bible says, in Titus, it said, put in order the things that are wanting. And so, I put some stuff in order. <laughs> and uh, TV lady got up and walked out right when I had everybody stand to make an altar call. She, she walked out. Had a, a 13 people leave from that service. 13 people leave 
never came. They're not in my church to this day. Eleven of them were tithe payers. And God said, well, you prayed to get this. I said, well, God, can we do it in stages? Can we do it one month at a time? I've learned how to pray better now. But I remember they went to neighboring churches in the area. So much for brotherhood. I'm helping all my fellow pastors have revival. No, don't get, no, no, no. I get along with my neighboring pastors. We're, not, we're all nice, huggy, huggy poo poo kisses, okay? But they all went, hey, wait, what time is it? I got to hurry up. They all went to other churches in the area. And a bunch of them, Sister TV, went to this one church that wasn't too far away. And, and the presbyter called me. And he said, he said, hey, brother. He said, I heard these people left. And, and that this family over here went to this church. He said, uh, you and I should go meet with that. I said, no. I said, brother, every section, every district. I said, everybody needs a good dumpster. I said, you need a good dumpster. I said, that's a good dumpster. We can just dumpster out there. Am I getting mean? I better quit. What my point is this. <laughs> when you start having revival, when you start preaching truth, you're going to pull stuff out of the way. The kooks show up. The retards show up. Everybody shows up when you start having revival. But I'm going to tell you something. In the midst of the tares, there's some fruitful wheat. There's people that want truth. There's people that want holiness. There's people that want to get rid of their televisions. There's people that want to get rid of their music. There's people that want to stop dressing like the world. There's men that want to be men and women that want to be good ladies. I'm going to tell you, I'm not living my life being dictated to by what the tares are doing, by what the weeds are doing. I'm saying, God, show me the hungry people. Show me the ones I can win. Show me the ones I can work with. Show me the ones I can turn into apostolics. Hallelujah. We've got to get a revelation. I don't care who's doing what. We can have revival in spite of it all. We can win souls anyhow. We can build strong apostolic churches in spite of it all. Sure, there's some tears. Sure, there's some gripey old guts. Sure, there's some people that are carnal. And they will always be carnal. But I'm going to tell you something. Those tares didn't, according to this parable, did not destroy the harvest. You know, let me say something. God is not so delicate and so fragile. And truth is not so flimsy. That one, that a hundred dingbats. I get in trouble when I use words like that. It sounds so harsh. That a hundred mentally challenged. Or differently challenged. Differently able people. I'm talking about spiritual. I'm not making fun of physical handicaps. I'm talking about spiritual. Truth is not so weak. Your pastor is not so, so, just right on the edge of maybe doing or maybe not. That, that, the whole church could get up and walk out. And if God put that man in that city, there'll be another church before too long. Hallelujah. And, and, and let me say this, you good saints of God, you good faithful people of God. There may be times when you're going to look around and you're going to say, why didn't the pastor take care of this? Why doesn't he say, doesn't the pastor know this? I'm going to tell you what, he probably knows a lot more than you think he knows. 
He probably knows stuff you wish he didn't know. Uh-huh. Why doesn't pastor take care of his money? Well, let me tell you something. My pastor taught me this. He said, these things command and teach with all long-suffering and doctrine. Sometimes you're not seeing your pastor's doctrine. You're seeing his long-suffering. And let me say this. Now remember, please, is the tape on? Are you guys awake up there? I'll tell you what, Maynard. Come up there and yank your ears. The tape is on, right? I'm not talking about compromising. I'm not talking about being a hypocrite. I'm not talking about being weak. Alright? I want to say this. Primarily, the church is here to help people. And heal people. And restore. What kind of hospital? How would you like to go to a hospital? And instead of them trying to feed you full of antibiotics and, and IVs and whatever else you needed, they said, you know what? He's pretty sick. Let's just shoot him. But some people, they think that's how the church should be. Well, I'll tell you what, bless God. Oh, sister so-and-so did this. Pastor better. Uh, I'm going to tell you, one of these days, it may be you messing up. It may be you had a weak moment. It may, oh, friend, uh, don't sit there and say, oh, no, it ain't going to be me. You're already headed for a fall. You're already headed for a mistake. You've already succumbed to self-righteousness and pride. Let me tell you something. You don't know what your pastor may be doing. He may be trying to heal that sheep. He may be trying to put them back in the fold. He may be trying to straighten them up and one of these days it may be your kids it may be your young person it may be your young girl and you're going to be glad you've got a pastor that'll put up with some tears among the wheat hoping he can change them hoping he can do something with them hoping he can put some fruit back into their life you got to back off and let your pastor pastor and let your pastor be directed in the anointing of God if he's a God called man he's going to do the job he's going to take care of it and you've got to understand it doesn't matter how many tears there are sitting around you. In spite of it all, you can have revival. Hallelujah. Elijah thought he was all on his own. He was the only one. Nobody else is preaching truth. Nobody else. The only one. God said, Elijah. I've got 7,000 who have about the nation. I want you to think about that and you say, well, 7,000 out of a whole nation is a good I'll take a tenth of them. I'll take one of them. You ain't been in a small enough church if you think one doesn't matter. Uh-huh. That's right. That's right, Jackson. What I'm saying is this. I think. I think. I think he have ways. The way he acted with Jezebel, the way he acted with Jezebel, that was, yeah. man. But anyway, that's not, I'm not talking about, I heard the brother Young took care of that last night. So we'll let him handle the fags, okay? I'll take care of everything else. But I want to say this. Now, we make jokes about it, but I want to say this. There is a homosexual spirit that's assaulting the church, and a lot of it has come through music. Now, don't anybody. I like music, and I uh, and, and and I like I like good music and shouting. I like all of that, but but I want to say this on the other hand, and I mean this when I say this: if there's a young man or a young lady here today, a husband or wife, and you're struggling with with that kind of perversion, I want to tell you something: God can deliver you. 
but don't hide it. Don't think you can... Now, don't stand up and shout it right now. But find your pastor. And I'm telling you, God can deliver you. I don't like the mentality that once a fag, always a fag. Uh Uh-uh. I don't agree with that. And I'm not making light. I'm saying, just like God can deliver, just like God can deliver the drug addict and the alcoholic, God can take care of it. And we need to have faith. Let me tell you something, church. Don't be too afraid of those folks. I'm not talking about welcoming and compromising with them. But I want to tell you, God can deliver them just like He delivered you from drugs and alcohol and immorality and everything else. God can deliver. You don't have to accept it in your mind that you are bound by that and you will always be that and you can break out of that. You can. You can be delivered. You can be set free. Either the blood of Christ works for everything or it works for nothing. And we know that it works for everything. But the Lord told Elijah, I've got 7,000 who haven't bowed the knee. I've got some in the midst of Jezebel and all of her power, in the midst of false prophets, uh, in the midst of politics uh, that were totally anti-God, uh, in the midst of a climate that was totally not just uninterested in Elijah and his God, but hostile in Elijah and his God. There were 7,000 who said, I'm never going to bow. I'm going to love God. I'm going to be faithful. I don't care how bad it looks in your church. Pastor, there's some people there that love God. There's some people there that are going to stand by you. There's some people there and if you think there's nobody there, you just stick with it and God will send you some. Why? Because I've got a revelation in my heart that nothing the devil can do can destroy the revival that God wants to give us. Nothing the devil can say. Nothing the devil can plant. No scheme that he can come up with can detour what God wants to do. Let's all stand together. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And I'm telling you, when God gave me this, I'm not saying I got some big old major revelation, but it helped me. And I just feel this on my heart this morning to preach in it here. When God gave this to me, all of a sudden, oh yeah, the tears were still there. So-and-so was, so-and-so was still in trouble for sneaking off and watching movies. So-and-so was still in trouble. No, you're not, you're not, you're not playing with me. Because you're not dressing right. You're not. No, I'm not saying I ignored it. But I realized nothing the devil can do can stop the revival. Nothing the devil can do. I'm going to tell you something. As I said before, the word is not weak. The anointing is, is, is not weak and flimsy. I'm telling you, if God called that man and put him there, he's going to have revival. Hey, did Judas stop Jesus? Jesus knew what Judas was. He said, I'm going to quit and go somewhere else. Uh-uh. He just barreled on and did what he needed to do in spite of Jesus. And, and I'm going to say this. For all the ones that got mad at me and left, especially on that one Sunday night, all the ones that got mad at me and left, God has replaced them fourfold with people that are solid. People that love God. I can't preach holiness enough to offend them. They don't get offended. I tell you what was funny. That night I got to preach holiness and, and all those people left. Sister Kim was brand new and the Gontes were brand new and, and there was, oh, Jose... They were all brand new. This was way back in the early. We hadn't even been there a year. I'm going to tell you what was funny. All those folks were on their feet, screaming for more. And all the old tares were just 
they're all shriveled up. Just let him. Because you can go on and have faith. I'm going to tell you why I believe God gave this to me. Because I was losing my faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. I knew God had called me there, and I could not understand. If you call me here, God, what's all this? And God began to push some of those tears out of the way and say, look at this. Look at this family. Look at this guy. He used to be an alcoholic. He used to be a crack addict. But look what I've done for them. Look at these little Sunday school kids. And we're still having some. I'm going to tell you something. We went there with 14, 13 left. We've got 80 people in our church today. We are in our third building in five years. The building seats 200 right now, and we can put 40 more chairs in there. Now, I'm not saying that to brag or lift me up. That's not my point. I'm trying to show you that, that yeah, the devil was there. He was, he was working on people, trying, and I was getting focused on it. I was getting so focused. I was swatting flies with a sledgehammer. I've learned. You don't expend a lot of energy on people you're not going to change. And you know what? I could have jumped up every service. And because sister television and watching TV, I just could have spent every service. And I preach against television. I believe preaching against television. All right? And video, DVDs, and all the rest of it. Ooh, got quiet. <laughs> but I, I believe in preaching. I believe in preaching. But what I'm saying is, the Bible says, warn them that are unruly. I'm not going to whip all my kids because one of them smarted off. Hallelujah. You know what we did? We just went ahead and had revival. Just sit there all pokeyed up. Just sit there all pouted up and like a toad and ball. Just say, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have revival. Well, but so-and-so may leave. So-and-so may leave. We'll see ya. You want some gas money? Really? You want some gas money? Let me tell you something. Demas got mad. Demas got tweaked up. Demas got twisted and contorted and didn't like how Paul was doing it. He said, I'm going to leave, Paul. And you know what Paul said? Demas has forsaken me. But two seconds later, he said, bring with you John Mark where he's profitable for me for the ministry. If they don't want to live for God, let them go. God's got somebody else to take their place. Go ahead. Go ahead and drive. Go ahead and say, I don't like the pastor. Go ahead. The dogs bark, but the caravan moves on. God's going to have revival. We're not pulling this thing over because somebody doesn't like it or somebody's offended or whatever. I'm not going to spend all my energy preaching at some old knucklehead that's never going to change. I'm going to try to get that crack addict into the altar. I'm going to try to pray that guy through. I can deal with them in the office later. Oh, come on. Let's pray together right now. Let's believe God for revival. Let's believe God for a move of the Spirit. Let God give you a fresh revelation. Let God give you a fresh touch. Oh, that's right. Come on. Saints, preachers, let's understand. God called you to that city. And I know the devil tried to discourage. The devil will do a work. The devil will cause some people to compromise. The devil will cause some people to criticize. The devil will make inroads into your church. But don't get so focused on that that you lose what God is doing. That you lose sight that the anointing is still real. The calling is still real. The power of God is still real. It doesn't matter what Jezebel is doing. God's over here doing his own thing still. Don't let's reach out to the Lord together, everybody. Hallelujah.